If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Patrice. Hi, Marleya. Hi, Courtney. Hi, I made it. Yay. Oh, my God. Finally. What a <laughs> fucking couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> and everybody drinks. <laughs> yes. Cheers. Hold on. I forgot to put my little cherries in there. I got oh, cherries, too. Ching, ching. Cherry. A cherry. To you at home. Ching, ching. Cheers. Ching. Whiskey sours all Just around. To be clear, or... It doesn't matter what time you listen to this podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Cheers with us at any time because Corona time is all day. All day. <laughs> every day. I may or may not already be drunk from day drinking. I'm <laughs> just saying. All the days. I may have had three Bloody Marys while I cut out fabric to make cloth masks today. That's what I did. You're That's doing true. good work. Yep. Telling the truth. Way to save the world. I'm trying. One Bloody Mary at a time. <laughs> Patrice, do you have a mask? Uh, yes, I do. But I had a I had a mask before this started. So I kept them like for yard work and stuff. Oh, okay. So I was going to say, like, did you start getting them when you did your story on the 1918 flu? <laughs> because <laughs> I should I have. Did. I sh- um, should have. But no, I already um, got it. And actually, I want to make some cloth mask as soon as I'm done teaching, as soon as school is over with. It's like I can't do anything until school's over with. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, I um, it's really funny. How have you guys been entertaining yourself during this pandemic? Well, me. I haven't had a fucking break. So there has been no entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's been cooking and cleaning and trying to like keep up with classes and cooking and cleaning and like every single fucking day. And um, Mm -hmm. I've been complaining to Marleya all day. It's like, bless her heart. She'll text me. She's like, so how are you doing? And then (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) that's why I text you though. Cause I don't hear from you for a couple of days. And I was like, oh my God, it's all really bad. I need to touch (sighs) base with Patrice. It is. And now I don't feel good. And Marleya and I've already like are convinced that I've got the coronavirus. No, I'm not no, convinced. I, won't, I don't no, think, I won't I think allow you it. have allergies. Oh, but like I have like for this past week I've had like these killer like neck headaches and my throat sore and my esophagus is sore and I've got that feeling like right before I get bronchitis mm-hmm. and I'm tired. I'm just fucking tired. And I'm just like, and so yesterday, I'm not going to complain, but I'm going to complain. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, I was just like, I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. It's like, I can't cook. I'm not going to get out of bed. I'm just so fucking tired. So I just stayed in bed and watched. I've never watched, uh, what is that 
cabin scary movie the cabin <gasps> in the woods cabin oh my woods. god we, we just did. watched it last week oh god yeah well i watched that saturday hilarious. night it was so good it was so good and my brother's been like for years has been telling me to watch that the cabin in the woods that's what it was the cabin in the woods woods, you need to watch the cabin in the woods it was really entertaining i thoroughly enjoyed it so i did that and then i went to bed like at like 5 30 but and i felt better like this morning i got up and i fucking cooked and cleaned and we had you know elementary school starting back up this week yeah. so we like did a meet and greet with our teacher and classmate which I had to set up all the tech for that shit mm-hmm. and you know just like getting bombarded with student emails with bless their hearts i know that they are freaking out and everything and i'm just i'm so ready for it to be done i'm just mm-hmm. so ready and i'm tired and i don't feel good and so i'm extra bitchy but other than that I do. I am very fortunate to have food and shelter and a support system. So I cannot be too bitchy, but yeah. You know what? It's a balance. You get to be bitchy, Patrice. Everybody gets a moment. We all get a moment. Everybody listening, you know what? get a moment. You get to be fucking bitchy for a minute because everything's fucked up and nothing is right right now. Yeah. And everything feels weird and your body and your psyche is all saying like, what the living fuck? You're going to be tired. You're going to be sick. You're going to be worn out. And like, if there's any way for you to give yourself a break, give yourself a fucking break. Because right. man, this is not normal. This is, is not, not normal. normal. And you I should can't... not be held to normal standards. I can't get like on social anymore. Usually I could just like flip through it, you know, and be okay. But I've been like really sucked into it and been getting pissed off with like everybody talking about all the shit that they've been doing, like cleaning out. And I'm like, I am so done with cleaning. I'm so done with cooking. I just want to spend a week like not doing shit. But what we can be thankful for is we're working from home and have a job. I keep telling myself that even though our week back from spring break. So we had a week and a half of spring break where I thought, Oh, this is how life is going to be during uh, this quarantine. But no, then Mm. Monday hit and Marlea knows I'm working way more than Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be way more than I would, you know, because of my back surgery than I have in weeks, but I'm so thankful that I have that. And I'm trying to find that way to go. Okay. work At my university is eight to four thirty. I don't have to be on from eight a.m. to eight p.m. I don't have to answer everything as soon as I see it. Like tomorrow is another work day from home, so that's I'm trying to find that balance. I think a lot of us are who who have not been used to that. I know some of some people have been used to working from home, but I haven't. So yeah, well, well, it's different. It's just yeah, like because. At the beginning of the year, like I work half from home and then half at the school. And Mm -hmm. so early on for my online students, I've established a routine and like when you can email and when you can expect answers from Mm -hmm. me so that I can keep that balance of giving myself recovery time and then, you know, being available to them. And so they're like, they know the deal. It's the other half where everybody like, you know, class is finished and everybody's having to like try to find technology in order to keep up with class. And uh, I had a student 
like from Canada, like right when they closed the Canadian border was like trying to like drive back into Canada. So she was like literally on a cross country road trip. Oh my God. Like when everything got shut down, like her and her family who were also in the U S trying to get back home to Canada, um, and so I was just like, look, just like when you get settled, just shoot me an email and, and we're good, you know, kind of deal. Yeah. So, but it's just that stress. Um, and you know, a lot of people live in rural places that one girl's having to like drive to her dad's office, like at night after he gets done with work so that she can like catch up with classes and work from like whenever they close to like the next morning basically like her days are flipped because she can't like she doesn't have internet access and i've tried like you know we've got pretty good internet access and i'm very thankful for that but it's not great with three people oh oh my god yes we've noticed that and so i've been trying to get in touch with like at&t because i've heard rumor that maybe we could get fiber and fiber is like amazing even though they don't offer it so i was like i've been trying to call at and you can't get through you cannot get through Mm -hmm. and i am just not patient enough so anyway i've just been like i have been okay until this week when i started not feeling good and just like didn't have the energy to like mentally hold it together. Yeah. And so uh, oh, I want to hug you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I w- I, I'm mentally hugging you. Thank you. Everybody mentally hug Patrice. <laughs> I feel like, I feel, I'm I hugging. feel like an asshole. I'm like, I'll, all I've done is let my children go feral and <laughs> like, <laughs> and shit. I like, I feel like this is seriously like, this is the time for people like me because I've been working from home, but part time. So it's not something, you know, my job didn't change at all because mm-hmm. it's the same as it always was. And I don't work full time. And so I'm just like, I'm that asshole who's like not being severely <laughs> impacted. And I'm also, I'm also a super introvert. So it's like this whole crisis just plays directly into my strengths <laughs> because it just gives me some reason to not talk to anyone. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. And I'm totally down with that. It was like, I'm just counting down the days until okay. like I can bless everybody and give them a grade and, like yeah i know that's gonna be the thing for us too you know working at the university every day is a new challenge to decide what to do with all the students so i've decided right now that the best thing that we can all do is put on the most ridiculous outfits that we can find and then bring some joy to everyone that we do like we uh socially distance virtually speak with i put on my Kentucky, kentucky derby hat from last year that i made right now Along with a rainbow feather boa. So listeners, listen, this is something that you need to learn about me. When I get, like, when I get a lot of like um, inputs, I just start throwing in names for any person that lives within my sphere of like influence. So I just called Patrice Coco and I probably could have corrected it like four times and not gotten to Patrice yet. I would have been like Coco, Abby, Courtney, Randy, like uh, Patrice is wearing... (laughs) A um uh, a headband that has two light up piles of shit on it. <laughs> Rainbow poop. Rainbow right now, poop. wait, mm-hmm. I don't see her anymore. I've lost her because I've oh. seen that. Well, Patrice, she's wearing, she's wearing light up poop 
poop headband. And I'm, I don't know, the only thing I had within range was uh, some random scarf that was hanging over my... You do look kind of like a little house on the prairie. I kind of, I see you, Marley. I've gone all pioneer woman during, like, I bake bread. You're lucky I'm not churning butter right now. Like, if you do, I would fucking buy some butter from you, because... I taught, because you can't get it at the fucking grocery store. Yeah. I taught, um... My kids learned how to forage this weekend. <laughs> so, like, by the way, dandelions taste like shit when you saute them. Mm. But, you know, if you ever are close to dying, you can always go grab weeds out of your yard and maybe die a little more miserably <laughs> because they taste like shit. <laughs> wow. Have you ever tried but- doing dandelion tea? They they did that. They actually made clover tea for us, which tastes a little like grass. Tastes mo- yeah. mostly like grass. Yeah, but yeah, I feel wow. This is a <laughs> great look. This is a great look. Um, like I like oh, it. I see you now, Patrice. I love it. I love did, it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw I that as you? your new profile picture. I I commented on those. Yes, this those is what lovely. I wore my first day back online to all my classes. <laughs> That's amazing. To either it's make perfect. them laugh or to like just make them go oh my god what an idiot but i love it i love it i think it resonates with everyone (laughs) it is uh, is my favorite so i tried to chop off my finger oh yes how is your finger last did that happen since the last it did it did i yeah Mm -hmm. like so tuesday of last this week this week this past week tuesday of this past week I like was cleaning out a hummingbird feeder because you know they're like, oh, put out your hummingbird feeders, everything's happy and it's spring and blah blah blah. Mine is made of glass and it was cut. It was like, uh, it was already cracked. So I was reaching my finger inside the neck of the hummingbird feeder to to clean it, and it cracked off. And I turned my finger inside the neck, and created this just. I don't even know how to describe it exactly. It was but it was it, horrible. It it didn't look great. And it was kind of just kind of hanging in by a couple little pieces. And so I'm like, okay, kids, let's learn how to manage an emergency. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Grabbing it tight. And I'm like, okay, Coco, call dad. Call dad. Call dad. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, my God, what's happening? And so she calls. And I was like, I sat there and I really thought about it for like a split second. This is this moment where you think like, okay bad things happen and you've got to figure out whether your brain works like this, you know, like how does your brain work? And I'm like, okay, to avoid going to the ER at this point, I would probably instruct my 12 year old to just cut my whole damn finger off. (laughs) 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 I think that's what I would do. Abby, get out your survival kit. It's Tom. It's Tom. All these years you've learned. That's right. She's like, I've got this saw that we could use. No. The creepy part is like she was completely level-headed the whole time, and she was just like, "Do should I feel weird that this isn't bothering me?" And I was like, "Maybe a little bit, but we'll talk about it after." <laughs> you told me that too. She goes, "I was very calm." <laughs> she was. She was super calm, and she was the one I was like, "Okay, you need to pour alcohol on my finger, oh, and God. you need to pour it whether I'm screaming or not." You have to pour it now and you've got to get it clean. And she's like, all right. <laughs> but no, if you ever need to know how to avoid the ER for, um, for minor, minor injuries. That probably needs stitches, time. but you can get by with super glue. Super glue. Super glue. Yeah. Super glue. And it's actually kind of pretty. Like 
everybody did a really good job. I'm like, I might look normal after this. So it's super good. So super glue is your friend. Mm-hmm. You can eat dandelions. Yeah. Um, those are the things that I've learned. And okay. wear a fan, wear a funny hat, wear a funny hat um, online all the time. Yep. And yes. So one thing that has happened the past two weeks is that I, well, one of our fans, uh, Levi from Kentucky sent us a text with some really crazy story that I'm like, it's one of those stories that you're going to have to like sit back and like really research to figure out what the fuck's going on. Cause it's some crazy ass shit. And I was excited about that. But then he also like texted and said, look, he's like some really strange things happened in Kentucky. And this is like around March 19th. He's like, you may want to like, you know, talk about this during your show. And I was like, yeah, okay. Tell me what's going on. And he says that there's a group of people in Letcher County, Kentucky that, and or he said this just popped up in Facebook. He's and I'm gonna read this uh, post that somebody put in this group. He said I literally just read at least 13 statuses, comments from uh, people around Letcher County saying that they heard knocking on their houses Monday morning, night. But when they what? went out, nobody was there. And this happened oh between one and two a.m. And she's mm-hmm. like, I am freaking out because I heard knocking at two a.m. Monday morning, and but I told myself it was just an animal. Animals don't knock. Exactly. So, like, there's just, like, some really strange shit going on. So, we, we talked about that for a little bit. And he's like, you know, he's from Kentucky, and he heard me talk about my people being from Kentucky. So, as you do in the South, you're like, okay, where's your people from? And so, I said, my people is from Livingston County. When they lived in Kentucky, like, around the turn of the century, like, late 1800, early 1900s, before they got my great, great grandfather got kicked out of kentucky or they asked him to leave actually and that's the story and these are like my moonshiner like Mm -hmm. people in kentucky during that time he was like no shit he's like you know east kentucky is like this really hotbed for weird shit but his people are also from livingston county so like our our people grew up so we're basically cousins we are trying to like figure out like that line so of course as any true older southerner has i have like a lot of my genealogy at hand and i started like tracing up through like who lived in kentucky who was in that county at during which time and we could never find like a direct link but uh it was close enough like my people were from oh, Tylon uh, in Livingston County, which is basically a fucking road. I mean, it's not like a town or anything. <laughs> it's just a road. And like he's from Salem in Livingston County, Kentucky. And it was just Salem? like, yeah, it's just really oh, weird. Wow. He's like, he was talking about like, there's this one county where they hang hogsheads from trees. And there's like nobody fucking goes around there. He's like, just all this well, yeah. really weird shit happens. Um, so I was looking up, you know, my people from Kentucky around the turn of the century and uh, a little bit later on. And I actually found like a great to whatever uncle who died of 
influenza in 1918. Oh. Yeah. So this was like part of that group of um, relatives that lived in Kentucky during that time. And I saw his death certificate and it was like November, 1918 died of pneumonia and influenza. Oh my God. I know. That's crazy. Wow. I know. So that was kind of cool. And thanks Levi for like chatting with me. And I know we're related. So I consider you a cousin. I'm glad you checked on. I didn't even notice those go through. I was like, I totally missed those messages. Oh, yeah. good. Well, don't look. Don't look because there's like a really good one. Like I said, it's like some okay, shit I didn't even that. know had happened. Hogs heads hanging from trees. Fucking. Yeah. Geez. I know. Just crazy shit, man. I believe it. Well, uh, all right. What's this week? What? Uh, who goes first? I don't know. Hold on. I got to sneeze. Let's oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did we just, let's see. I don't even remember. Bless you. Thank I you. forgot to say that. What did we talk about last week? Oh, we... Bluer and then Hell and Lizard Man. Oh, you're first then. I am first. Yeah, Bluer and Hell was first. Yes. That was a good one. So was Lizard Man. I didn't know about either one of those. Blue people. I've been fascinated by both that and the Lizard Man this week. All right. So. All right. Do it. Okay. Story time. Story time. time. Tell me a story, please. I I don't really know how to introduce this. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Okay, so I looked into, like, a lot of way people fake their deaths, right? Okay. And there is, like, through my extensive, <laughs> hush, Courtney, through my extensive... Oh my God. I just find that fascinating already. Oh, okay, I thought <laughs> yeah. you knew where I was going yeah. with this. Is that one of your fascinations, that and, like, feral children? Is that- Yes, yes. It, it actually your is. Death? Okay. Okay. Yes, feral children their deaths. and fake so, death. Yeah. Through my like extensive five minute research on this, like the famous people who do this, there are a lot of British people and for some reason a lot of Australians like to fake their deaths for whatever okay. reason. Okay. But I did find um this one guy from Arkansas who faked his death like back in 1929. And that is not really who I'm going to talk about. I'm going to save that for our after talk because it's a nice, crazy little story. But instead I'm going to talk about the disappearance of Jack Donald Lewis, AKA okay. did Carol Baskin feed her husband to the tigers? Oh my God. You're a genius. <laughs> I haven't watched that, so I you know. are like, shut oh, up. I'm shut the only up. person. I, I, I'm the only person. No, in the I world. did it. I did it this week. Did I you did do it? It, I, I, it is yeah, a I dumpster. To the peer pressure. Well, you, you know, you really you have to, whether you want to or not, you have to, because <laughs> there are some monumental genius memes going around <laughs> right now. <laughs> like it is pure solid gold like we're living in this 
this yeah gold trash but we're like in this renaissance of like this trash literature and comedy with like the memes that are going on but i will say this this i would take it over the bachelor or the housewives any day of any day any day any day people are being themselves they are being legit crazy and trashy and you know what living their life yep they didn't need a producer to tell them to do that they They are not fake they are not like they you're, you're exactly right i am the same way so that anyway insanity. Oh, yay. Uh, so jack donald lewis was born april 30th 1938 he's from dade city florida he is basically became a self-made uh millionaire by 1981 uh, he was in like real estate and the used car business which to me when you say that i'm kind of thinking salesman uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> uh you know but that personality that can sell you anything he was first married to uh, his wife, Gladys Lewis Cross, and they had three daughters and they adopted a son. So, you know, Jack was basically, um, they call him Don, I think, Don Lewis. Uh, basically, you know, he made most of his money in real estate. Uh, he was also into trucking. Uh, he, he was like probably import, outport, kind of import, export is what I meant um kind of stuff and um but a very unusual man he wore jeans and a t-shirt from yard sales so he was very like uh miserly (laughs) i don't know okay no i like that you both hit that word at the same time (laughs) synonyms uh he, he always but you know even though he dressed like a you know just everyday person or maybe a little bit less than everyday person he still carried like a lot of cash in case he wanted to like buy an airplane like with cash so he always had this around and he was always on business trips you know moving and shaking and this is when he met carol baskin so carol baskin or otherwise known as that goddamn carol baskin (laughs) talking about joe exotic there uh was born Carol Stars, not Stars, Carol Stairs Joan. Like her middle name, Stairs. Okay. Like, like stairs. Like, like you're going to climb up a stair. Yeah. All right. She was born in 1961 in Texas and, you know, expressed an interest in saving cats when she was nine. She has always loved cats. She decided to pursue a career or wanted to go into veterinary medicine, but then she learned like, you know, vets, when you deal with animals, you, a lot of the times you're dealing with like really the hard part, like euthanizing animals and caring for like these sick creatures and stuff. So after she found out that she had to euthanize animals, she didn't want to be a vet anymore. When she turned 15, uh, she left home she ran away from home with a local roller rink employee. She dropped out of high school. She slept <laughs> under parked cars. No, this is this is kind of a good background because this tells you how scrappy she is. Uh, this is like in the 70s. So she would hitchhike between Florida and Bangor, Maine a lot. Uh, yeah. she, she actually like purchased a Datsun truck and slept in the back with her pet cat. And then later returned to Florida, like 
when she was, I don't know, I'm thinking like around 16 or 17. So a couple of years she was on the road, like living not a great life. But didn't she say that um, she was assaulted by her neighbors at 14? That's one of the reasons she ran away in the documentary. Yes. I don't remember that part, but yeah. 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 Good point. So, you know, I can understand that. And then that kind of makes sense too. Cause when we talk about like, she moved back to Florida and she started working in this department store where she began a relationship with her boss, Michael Murdoch. And so really the only reason that she got into this relationship with him because she wanted to like start breeding show cats and she was keeping her cats there and she moved in with him when he was 17, but, uh, they got married like very quickly because her parents were disappointed that they were living together out of wedlock. So she married him so that she had some place to live and, you know, she claimed that she never loved him, which I could totally see that. And, uh, (laughs) Like after they got married, she soon had a daughter that was born in 1980 and Murdoch became pretty possessive and physically abusive. And so an incident between them uh, ended up like, and this is all in the documentary here, like where she ran out of their home barefoot one night after like a big fight. And um, she was like, I think about 19 at this time. And this is where she met Don Lewis. So she was walking 19 years old down the side of the road, no shoes on. And this guy all of a sudden pulls up in a truck. Like, so to me, first of all, that's kind of like, what are you doing pulling over for, you know, somebody on the side of the road? Like, even if they are like young and barefoot and stuff, but he pulled over and she got in the truck with them. And, um, basically ever since then, like they were together. So Baskin became one of his many girlfriends and, uh, they had a, you know, an affair. Both of them were still married. They ended up both getting divorced. And, um, then they too got married in 1991 and she at this time was helping him with real estate. Uh, she got into real estate and was helping him like flip homes there in Florida, um, in like 1984 and such, which is like, by this time he was already a self-made millionaire. He's like, has all these assets and, uh, properties and flipping them and whatnot. But, you know, she still, of course, loved cats and she saw this as an opportunity to like, you know, uh, expand that. So she started rescuing bobcats and she started like using like llamas to like mow the lawn of the businesses that they had. And um, they eventually, after rescuing the bobcats, uh, they began to, uh, her and Dot opened up Big Cat Rescue. And uh, she became like the chief executive officer of Big Cat Rescue, which is like an animal sanctuary in Tampa for big cats. Um, And that started like in 1992. And, you know, she does like a lot for, you know, again, if somebody buys a cat and they can't like feed it or take care of it, you know, she'll come and get it. Uh, because obviously there's a lot of fucking big cats in the U.S. And I don't have the stats, but didn't they say something like uh, there are more captive big cats in the United States than there are in the wild in the world? 
Oh, by far, because I think there were only a few hundred in the wild and mm-hmm. like there's thousands there's in thousands in captivity what? yeah so it's the, crazy so it's crazy one thing that kind of puts me on uh carol's side here is that even though she is extorting or not extorting she is exploiting cats she is, she is. I'm not on the carol bandwagon well I'm just but she flat, though. but she <laughs> does like she does go to the legislature or she does like say hey this needs to stop we need to stop mm-hmm. like doing these farms where people are rapidly sure. breeding these cats and let's just get rid of cat and captivity so she's like i feel like if she wasn't oh, oh, yeah. doing that then <clears throat> It would be more so like, I mean, this is how she's making a living. I totally get it. And if it all went away and the U.S. stopped doing it, she wouldn't have anything to do and she'd have to find something else. But join the club, Carol. Right. (laughs) But, you know, I feel like her exploitation is not as bad as a lot of the others. So it's kind of like the devil that you mm-hmm. kind of like that you know that you know the or, devil you know or the devil you know that it's trying to do good maybe but not really where the other ones they're <laughs> just fucking not i don't think that's the same <laughs> i think that's the same i think that's the same and i i, I agree 100 percent you, know you have trying to do better than the devils you know who are trying not to do better <laughs> exactly But one thing that all of these people that do big tiger stuff, because let me tell you, the big tiger stuff is just fucking for sex. That is all it is. It's true. It is all it is. The people who have, like, who get big cats. Everybody who has a big cat, the only reason they have it is to get sex. Then you cannot Amen. change my mind on that. That is the Please whole reason. Roy. Exhibit one. And see, <laughs> to me, Carol is not. I mean, she's got her her boo or whatever, and I think you know she's not using it to exploit for sex. She's probably doing it for money, but not for sex, where everybody else is. Okay. Anyway, let's get back to this. And the reason I bring this up is because Lewis was a bit of a sex addict. So mm. he would fly down. They had a place down in Costa Rica. Um, and he, that's where he would deal with his sex addiction. And he like, they had like maybe 200 acres down there. And Carol says that, um, you know, when she was on her period that's when he would go down there because he liked to have sex every single day and let's talk about their age difference too right like i think yes. she was 19 and he was 42 when they yes. got married yeah i there, noticed that when you were saying the birthday there was yeah. yeah there was like 20 years um and so and she was okay with that she was probably glad that he was gone you know and she didn't you know she knew that he was having affairs down there and and whatnot but that was kind of like getting him out of her way so that she could run this sanctuary and do what she wanted to do she's like honey my period lasted like like three weeks this month (laughs) right but also when he was down there he was like there was talks of doing because he loved cats too but of course he was getting cats for sex i'm pretty sure um not i swear to god 
But it sounds like you're saying you're having sex with tigers. No. And I'm like, is that what this show is about? No, no. Although I'm not like excluding that. But I'm saying <laughs> they were using it like as a ploy to attract people to come have sex with them. So anyway, so while he was down there, um, she, because he was, you know, he collected things and bought a bunch of things and that was like junk on the property. And so while he was down there, she would like go through and like haul off a lot of the junk that was like on the property. And, um, you know, he would get mad at her. And so uh, he tried to like say that, and of course, I don't know if this happened or not, but he tried like in 1997 to get a restraining order against her claiming that she threatened to kill him. Of course she says, and again, he, he's not here to defend himself, but she says, you know, she just pissed him off because when he would leave, she would go throw a bunch of his shit away. And, um, and he had been talking about getting a divorce and that he wanted a divorce multiple times. And he was telling everybody that, you know, he was going to leave her and whatnot, but he never really did. And he stayed there and um, continued to live with Baskin uh, or Carol. I should say she wasn't Baskin then continued to live with uh, Carol there after, you know, he threatened divorce and he tried to get, you know, a restraining order against her, which failed the judge wouldn't grant him a restraining order. And, um, so like I said, she didn't ever take this seriously and she started noticing like odd behavior. He would scavenge for food and dumpsters. She says that he went to like, he went to a psychiatrist, um, for one appointment because of just really odd behavior. Like he would go out, <laughs> he wouldn't use the bathroom inside. He would like go outside and take a dump in the yard and just like just he territorial yeah acting like a cat right um and he like invited like this homeless person over and um you know to stay with them and so just like really odd behavior yeah uh he sounds like the um oh i've forgotten the name of the guy i talked about the guy from memphis oh yeah oh Yes. You know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. about yes. On the show. yes. My memory is bad. I don't anyway, remember the but he didn't. Story. Yes. Uh, so she's, he started like having all this like really like more unusual than not, uh, or than he's previously exhibiting, you know, she's like, you need to get help. You need to see somebody. And so he did, but then he never went back. And um, in early of 1997, he started transferring ownership of his properties in Florida to a kind of a front corporation company in Costa Rica that he controlled. So he started like transferring a lot of his assets about like early 1997. And then he started telling his friends and family that he was planning just to go ahead and move to Costa Rica and open up a wildlife sanctuary there, Um, which, you know, I don't know, like, so there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of, like, you know, he's moving all of his money there. He's moving the sanctuary there, which is kind of like if he was going to do legit business, why would he move the sanctuary to Costa Rica unless he's trying to, like, you know, dodge some of the laws or maybe breed cats or, you know, who knows. Uh, He was considered a pretty ruthless businessman. Uh, 
you know, he had all of these properties that he was in. And the days leading up to his disappearance, he bought like a plane ticket to Costa Rica and um, which was like he bought a, a plane ticket, but he had multiple planes and he had his license, although I think it was suspended, but he still like flew planes with his suspended license. Um, and he was getting ready to move some vehicles um, and some equipment down to Costa Rica during this time. And um, so he left home on Monday, August 18th, 1997. And that was basically the last time anybody saw him. He was planning on transporting those cars um, and he had to like ship them off to Miami to get them to Costa Rica. He was supposed to deliver real estate signs to his lawyer. Um, and he did that or somebody did that, but it was before the op office opened. So nobody saw him do it. And then uh, the next day, Carol filed a missing persons report with the sheriff's deputy and then the day after that, his blue van was found at the um, Pilot Country uh, Airport in Spring Hill, Florida. So the airport manager said that it had been there for a couple of days. It had been parked on the grass um, between the planes and Highway 52. The keys were on the floorboard and the deputies found no evidence inside. Uh, so, of course, the deputies went and they searched like the wildlife uh sanctuary on easy street which is the street that's named where it's located um <laughs> and they found like no signs of foul play they went to costa rica investigators found um you know indeed that lewis was engaged in extramarital affairs mm -hmm. and illegal business practices down there of course i have not like i'm trying to figure out like okay give me more tell me what those affairs were who were they with what were these illegal <laughs> give business me all the details give me all what the details like i've like tmz in it and everything <laughs> um but i couldn't find anything just like a lot of just hypothetical or not hypotheticals but just guesses um Two of the security guards uh, that Lewis had on staff gave two different stories um, of when they last saw him. And also, you know, being in real estate, going back and forth from Costa Rica a lot, kind of living this lifestyle. He had like a lot of shady business dealings. Um and so, and plus he was like funneling all of this money down into Costa Rica. So the investigation of Costa Rica lasted like five days. Um, they didn't find him. They, he had two ocelots that he like kept with them all the time. And so I know, right. <laughs> and they were like shipped out and nobody could find out what like happened. So they were like his pets and they were missing. So nobody could find out what happened to them. None of Lewis's credit cards have been used since his disappearance. And in 2002, Carol had him legally declared dead which opened up this whole other shit storm between her and his uh, previous wife and their children. And let me just tell you right now, if you're married to anybody, whether they are the best person or a complete shithead, you take care of your children. You can like leave half of whatever in your children's name by your former wife or whatever, but like half of yours Half of them are you, so half of yours is theirs kind of thing. So you need to get that shit straight before you go marrying somebody 20 years younger and leave it all to them.
because that's mm. basically what happened. Uh, Carol, uh, in like from his in uh, estate, got about five million dollars, and the kids just Whoa. really didn't get any. Um, and that's oh, because man. of how it was set up. Uh, of course, the assistant. Well, Go ahead. Wasn't there? Um... You know, I just finished this like yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there something about her actually possibly faking the um, will oh, yeah. where it was said death and or disappearance? Yes. And no one has ever really seen the word disappearance in a will. Right. And maybe she kind of took that from his children, possibly. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I, there is a lot of, sh- again, kind of shady stuff. I mean going on uh as far as like changing of the will and again you got to get your shit you know together beforehand with you know trust trusting people uh so that you know your new wife can't change shit like that but yeah so yeah she did change it um i think and i think i read somewhere that she changed it because of his shady dealings and going back and forth from um, Costa Rica. I don't know. It was very convenient. Needless to say, mm-hmm. she, she got the money and she put the money into the sanctuary, basically. Uh, so 2005 authorities were leaning uh, away from the theory that Lewis disappeared on his own. Uh, the Lewis children, obviously, well, they took polygraphs, which I don't know why the kids took polygraphs, but they were trying to get Carol to take a polygraph and she refused to take a polygraph. Um, she said that her lawyer, like, again, told her not to or advised her not to, which that sounds legit. That sounds like something the lawyer um, would have you do. But they're like, she totally killed him. We got to find like we got to prove a way Um but the investigators were like, from our standpoint, it doesn't really seem like, you know, it didn't seem like he ran off on his own. Uh, and then the children were like, no, you really need to go look, you know, something's, you know, wrong. She's getting all the money. Uh, you know, he was going to leave her and then he just disappears. And so they pushed the theory that Carol fed him to the tigers. Jeez. Which... Again, if you're in Florida, you could just drop them off in the Everglades. Right? Tigers so leave many bones and DNA. And they were actually wanting, the kids were wanting uh, the police to run DNA tests on the meat grinder at the sanctuary. <gasps> Which, if the meat grinder that they showed on the show if this is to be believed is not the meat grinder that Carol has the meat grinder that Carol has is one of those little things that fits on the table. That's like, oh. like this. And she's like, it is literally impossible to cup, cut up a body and grind them in that little <laughs> like bitty you could do Like a finger at right. a time. Exactly. She is. So she was like, come on. So uh, she's like, she's of course disappointed in their theories uh can you imagine having people think you killed your husband or wife not being able to prove otherwise without a body there's nothing that i can do to clear my name and um she didn't really seem all that upset by it which honestly i mean if your husband was going down to costa rica to like satisfy his sexual urges and 
you know, you just wanted to be with your cats, then <laughs> could you blame her really for not being too upset? But again, yeah, she's, she's, I don't know. I, this show is just so crazy. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Carol also says that if she were to feed them to the cats, there would be human bones and remains that the tigers like would have eaten or passed through or just would not have eaten kind of deal. So, um, so after she had Don declared legally dead and got his money, she was at a uh, kickoff party for a newly, newly formed no more homeless pets organization. And she met Howard Baskin then. And that is like her current husband now. And he is the one that's like by her side when she like started having this long running feud with the private zoo owner, Joe exotic, which was like the whole tiger King episode thing was about. And um, she was of course, highly critical of exotic and his practices. She took him to court many times because he was pretty much a dick and stupid mm -hmm. as far as like, he just blatantly told everybody all the time that he wanted to kill her. Like all the time, mm -hmm. he like time. dressed up dummies and decapitated her and shot her and yep. oh all of this, like on his, uh, on his, what about his country music video web show? Where he had a lookalike. Oh God. He wrote <laughs> songs about her and she, she was a lookalike. Uh, she looked just like her. she did. Uh, yeah. I mean, he obsessed <laughs> over her and, uh, there was so much shit and I don't want to divulge too much to Marleya, who's probably the only person on the planet who hasn't seen it yet, yes, I am. <laughs> but it ended up basically um, with him in jail. And so as of now he is in jail and I think and he has coronavirus and he I has coronavirus. <laughs> yes. So the case of oh. uh, Don Lewis is still open. It's gaining new oh. momentum since the show uh you know there's like been more like public push to find out you know to find leads and evidence to what happened to him of course she thought the show was supposed to be just like how she has a sanctuary and then other people are breeding cats needlessly for sex and profit and that sounds so weird still i, I know and so <laughs> she she like called the the series like salacious and sensational and all that and there's like there's so much like i even read everybody has an opinion on it i read something by gwyneth paltrow saying <laughs> like carol it's like how can you be on a series like this and have like the shady dealing in your past and not expect people to grab hold of it and want to know what happens yeah, and going to reopen it because it seemed to like it hit her from out of nowhere and yeah, even actually. like fucking oj simpson was like yep carol did it <laughs> and i'm like you know i'm sorry i'm not saying she didn't deserve to do it oh in yeah my opinion she did it like well mm, yeah if did she just did leave it? all of his millions behind to go to costa rica with nothing yeah. i don't think so well she was Looks like she was smart and however she did it. She's smart. She is smart. She is a survivor for sure. She is a survivor. That is true. Yeah. So even if she didn't do it, she's not upset over it. Her life's better no. because of it. And I don't think like if they can't find anything, she goes off free. 
was mm-hmm. like, if she keeps pushing for the uh, laws to be changed so people cannot own fucking wild ass tigers, then I will be happy. Um, be okay. Yeah, that would be like people do not need to own tigers. Like, and it's so easy. It's it's two yeah. it's two thousand dollars, and you can have a tiger. No, thank you. Yeah. So it is sad, but the thing is, you know, and I know people change, but you know, they showed her in her early days with, uh, with, uh, her husband and how they were raising them to be house cats, like cats. She had videos of, she was, she was in the game for a while. She was in the game for a while, Mm -hmm. but she was in that game of buying big cats and breeding big cats. And so, yeah, she did start out that way. Um, and I think, I think maybe what did it, uh, she had a change of heart and maybe he didn't. And he was wanting to Mm -hmm. move the operation down to Costa Rica. Cause again, he was all about making money. Um, and so, so whether that jabbed or not, and she had him whacked or he had like Mm -hmm. some money shit going on with some weird people and they had him like dropped off in the Everglades. Um, I don't think we'll ever know actually. But that is my story on the disappearance of Don Lewis, a.k.a. fucking Carol Baskin Federer. <laughs> the Tigers. <laughs> Carol Tiger Baskin's sex. husband. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, what? What? <laughs> what? Listen, no. I'm just chomping on homemade bread. Oh man, sounds amazing. I have not gotten to the bread making mode, but fuck, we just like ran out of bread today. That's the thing is like, like I wanted to, I used to do it. And so I was like, okay, I can do this, but it's a, I'll send you the recipe if you ever want to do it. It's just a matter of whether you can find flour and yeast. All right. Cause they're not that easy to find right now. <laughs> Actually, I saw, uh, something posted on twitter about how you can make your own yeast it's like i saw that from trees yeah trees make yeast who knew i don't know that makes me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the same thing i learned that in the same string where i learned that you can cook dandelions for food (laughs) but they taste like shit so i don't know i don't know if i trust tree yeast yeah trees around here The trees around here really just want to kill you in any way they can. Any way they can. The it's been their life goal. Yeah. Which can you blame on? It's like the I mean, M. Not Shyamalan movie. We Which don't cut is- down as many trees as other people do. True. Like if we're going to be comparing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I've been in my neighborhood lately. Oh my god! Oh no! Every day, Patrice yeah. has sent me videos of somebody using a chainsaw in her neighborhood for like the last two weeks in a row. <laughs> Every what fucking day, I want to go outside and just sit in some like peace and quiet <laughs> on my balcony and just like chill the fuck out. And as soon as I open up that door, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not even captive tigers making that noise. No. Oh my God. There are so many people that we could do stories on in that show. (laughs) So many people. And 
I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like I thought about it a couple times, and I was like, I just think it would drive me crazy. I oh, think I'd yeah. try it. But it is just like it is. Yeah, I hate reality it's TV. It's like the train wreck kind I of nuts, though, right? Hate reality yeah. TV, but it's one of those things that you cannot. It's like you, you like, oh, this is this is weird. This can't get any weirder. And then it does. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, we have like reached the level of just like, I've seen it coming. I know what's going to happen. And then it just like slaps you across the face. <laughs> and it's just like, you cannot, you cannot stop. You can't. You can't. It is just the craziest. It is the craziest. cults. Oh Large my. cats, murder, oh. reality <laughs> TV show, straight music. husbands. Oh yes, God. no teeth. I'm, I Did can't. There's there's so many crazy husbands? shit. There's so <laughs> there's so much crazy shit that happens, Marlia, that I don't even want to sit here and list it because then <laughs> it would just like. Is it easier to just list the things that don't happen? Let's just put it this way: the whole plot of the show about the the um murder for hire of carol carol it doesn't come until like episode five <laughs> right it's like there's five episodes before you get to the point of what because really there's... they're just like hey look at this that we found yep yep exactly. oh my God. right they're you know, like... it's funny. when i first saw the ads for it i i just remember because i used to live in orlando and i remember our friends telling us that there was okay Okay, my memory is faulty. I'm going to start the story with that admission that my memory is faulty. But that one of the men who used to play Tarzan in old movies had like a wild cat. Like he owned a whole bunch of wild cats and they were just like right outside of somebody's random suburb in oh, yeah. Orlando. And you could hear them yelling at night. And I guess it's a I guess it's a Florida thing. I don't oh, know. yeah. It well, a- oh, and it was oh, I don't. Who is it? Tippy Hedren? Who is who is the um oh shit. Uh Melanie Griffith? Griffin? Griffith? Melanie Griffith. She's crazy. She is, but she grew up crazy with, in Alabama. She grew up with ty- uh a lion. They had a, a family like lion a brother? that they didn't um they like removed his teeth. Oh god, I oh. thought you were gonna say testicles. Well, they probably did that too. Yeah, both. Um, oh my god, that's awful, though. And kept him around the house. And there's pictures of her and um, her mom and dad, uh, like swimming in a pool with the lion. And so, yeah, it it is. That's almost as bad as Candace Bergen's ventriloquist dummy brother. <gasps> I thought of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's except the it's same a living creature that's being exploited by like declawing them and deballing them. Yeah, and then you know they're just, just small compared to that whatever <sighs> six hundred pound tiger. I don't know right. how much they weigh, but you know what I mean. I can't even imagine declawing my cats. I think they would be very depressed. Yeah, my mom declawed our cat when I was little. It was sad. I know Patrice's cat would be depressed. Yeah, they would be depressed if they couldn't put holes in me anymore. Or bring you presents. <laughs> or bring there you presents like chipmunks. I'm, chip sure, I'm pretty sure there was a mouse liver outside my dishwasher yesterday. So there you go. <laughs> what? What? 
<laughs> livers are like the most nutritious of like the whole mouth. So if they were that's offering you that you. mouse yeah. liver, then that's like they love you. I know. They love you, man. Yeah. I unfortunately I ran my broom over it and it just got everywhere. We thought anyway. something we had a Gross. power outage last night and I like, heard that the, the afternoon's got that. Yeah, and so like all the animals were in Max's room and the cats were Max told me he's like, Yeah, the cats were like under my bed and they were getting after something, then all of a sudden Luna took care of it and ran outside. And I was <laughs> like, Okay. And so we were kinda like up looking for dead things on the floor this morning. Oh. And we walked outside and opened up the door and it was a sock. <laughs> 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 Luna grabbed a sock and ran outside with it and put it outside. Oh my god, Luna. Luna's the best. She's she getting old. <laughs> you know what? I think of Luna as like, did you ever see the play of Mary Poppins? Uh, no, no, no. Peter Pan. The, the play of Peter Pan where the dog is the Nana. Then mm -mm. And I picture I picture Luna as Nana, who mm -hmm. like she decides that she's in charge of the child. Yeah, that's what it like, was. I will save you, Max. That's exactly what it is. Max was like, "Yeah, Luna got a hold of it, and she took care of it." Luna's like, "I'm gonna take care of this shit." I'm sorry. Stop playing with the socks, man. I'm gonna take the sock outside. <laughs> oh my oh, goodness. God. Or anyway. Okay, so my story is not as exotic. Exotic that. Joe. That's funny, isn't it? It's not Joe Exotic. It's not, he Joe. Is not very exotic. Oh, See, I may not have seen it, but I'm <laughs> different enough to know the language. Um, so I'm going to tell a story about murder because I haven't done murders recently. Murder. Murder. Most foul. Right. <laughs> Most foul. So, uh, okay. This is the story of Tony Joe Henry. Um, she was more, uh, no, that is not correct. I'm going to start with the right information. <laughs> she <Okay>. was, <laughs> um, her, her birth name was, uh, Annie Beatrice McQuiston. And, uh, in February of 1922, her mom died. It's an awkward place to take a drink. But, <laughs> um, she lived in Shreveport. And she was the second youngest, Tony was, the second youngest of six children. She was six when her mom died. And, um, you know, her dad was just a railroad worker. He wasn't really cut out for raising six kids, but he did pretty good. And he married again in a year because he was like, hey, you got to take care of my kids. And um, that's what they did. None of the kids got along with the stepmother. All the other ones seemed to sort of kind of excel at stuff. And I will say most of this is taken from a newspaper article that was done like in the 40s. So the amount of, I guess, embellishment and like cultural, <laughs> I don't know, appropriation isn't the right term, but like exaggeration, exaggeration. They made it right for their time. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a New York Times article that um, <clears throat> that I pulled most of this from. But none of the children got along with the evil stepmother. And so uh, Tony Joe said, I ran away when I was 14 to a dance hall. Mm. I didn't leave it for six months because they wouldn't let me. Mm. And so when the uh, the interviewer for this article 
was talking to her about it, the reporter was given to understand that the dance hall was not just dance hall. Mm-hmm. And they did more than dancing. And um, she said, it's hard to get away from that. You can't quit a racket like that. Right. And so, you know, she kind of, she's in that, she's in that world now. And she was, what did I say? 14. She was mm-hmm. 14 when she went to work there. So, um, you know, it's funny because one of the first quotes that really struck me about her and the reason I want to talk about her was because she said, if you think I'm going into a long song and dance about society done me wrong, you're crazy. She snapped. I could have lived a different kind of life, but by the time I was old enough, I figured the kind of decency most people talk about ain't worth a damn. And the man I've seen who parade as good citizens, I just decided to be what I am. So, like, she just kind of... respect that. She just kind of was like, Nah, fuck it. You know, yeah. everything sucks. I'm just going to do my thing. Um, but, you know, going into a quote unquote dance hall at 14, she starts getting arrested pretty young. Mm-hmm. And uh, like at 17, she was arrested for assault with a dangerous weapon for um, what? Cutting off a man's ears with scissors. Damn. Like no shit. In the next five years, she just kind of traveled around Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, you know, getting caught, trying to make money the best she could, but just being pissed at everybody all the way around. So she she also started smoking pot and doing coke. She got arrested on and charged. Man, I burp a lot when I drink whiskey sours, just so you know. She got arrested and charged with uh, vagrancy, drunkenness, disorderly conduct, and assault. Um, kind of, you know, she's going down a rough path, right? Mm-hmm. So in 1938, what age would she be then? She's 22. Sure. Um, she meets Cowboy Henry. His cowboys is nicknamed Claude Henry. He's what it said. He was a pugilist. And I looked at, I was like, Randy, what is a pugilist? And he's like a boxer. I was like, how does somebody what? just know that? How does somebody know that word? How does what? somebody know pugilist means boxer? But um, so apparently the word pugilist means boxer. Vocabulary lesson for the day. He was a prize fighter and um, he had a record too. He had a record for robbery and assault, but he um, he got her off drugs. And this is from Malefactor's Register. She said, I was a bad girl at 13, a drug addict at 16. This is Tony Joe talking. And she took the alias Tony Joe when she got a little bit older. That's when she kind of dropped her birth name. She said, nobody ever cared about me before him. That guy's the king of my heart. He gave me a home and he got the drug monkey off my back. She said, um, let's see. He made her lay in bed for a week and he would come in now and then to ask how she was doing. And he would slap her face with a cold towel and they would both laugh. Like (laughs) he was just like, okay, this is how you're getting off drugs, sweetheart. I'm just going to like, tape you to a bed and And honestly maybe that's not the worst way i don't know but he was like she's not going to be a coke addict he's going to get her off drugs so he did that and she was like forever grateful so she just decided he was the best thing that had ever happened to her and honestly he may have been right because it sounds like everything else was sort of shitty right and um so they got married in 1938 in sulfur louisiana in november and um, shortly after they were married, the issue here is he was on bail when they were married. 
So he was being tried for what had been given a 50 year sentence for murder. Shit. And he had he had appealed. So he was on bail. But he had shot a law enforcement officer in a bar brawl saying Mm. that the officer he thought that the officer had a gun and and all this stuff. But so he was pending appeal and he was on bail. And, um, you know, she's thinking everything's going to be great from here on. We're going to get married. Everything's going to be lovely. And she says, all I wanted was him. All I ever had with him was just a few months of happiness. And then they locked him up and he got me off the dope. He was swell. I don't care what happens to me as long as he gets out. So like he's on bail when they get married. And then in 1940, his appeal comes up and the jury convicts him again and imposes again a 50 year sentence in a Huntsville, Texas prison. So, you know, she's just found this dude who got her off Coke and she thinks, you know, she couldn't possibly live without. And then they put him away for 50 years. And so she decides that, let's see, it's 1940. So she's 24, 1940. She's somewhere around there, 24, mm-hmm. 25 years old. Um, There's nah. a big, huge difference between a woman that's 14 and then 20 and then 24. Yeah. Like, a big, huge difference. Big, huge difference. But, you know, I don't know. It's weird because I don't know about with her. Like, she's, you know, he's like her. He's her savior in her head. Yeah. And so she's, when he gets convicted, she makes the decision the day that he goes to court and gets convicted that um, she is going to get him out of jail. So she confides in this guy that she knows his name is harold finnan burks um his nickname is arky because he's from arkansas and at the time that she gets to know him he's a wall from the army and he's telling her that he knows that the the prison that cowboy is in he knows the prison personally and he knows how to get him out so she's like okay so you and i are going to work together and we're going to spring cowboy out of jail and so on February 13th, what would this be? 1940, 1940. They decide that they're going to put this plan into action and they rob a hardware store of 16 guns. Damn. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, we're going to start strong. And I'm like, I'm looking at this story and I'm thinking like, this is like full Bonnie and Clyde mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And like we watched the highwaymen not that long ago because I, I didn't um oh yeah like, i saw I, that one yeah. yeah it's kind of a cool movie it is pretty I mean, good i like it <clears throat> it's like a slow pace but i really like the way it goes but i like i knew who bonnie and clyde were but i never really like researched much bonnie and clyde mm-hmm. and so but bonnie and clyde their whole spree was like 1932 to 1934 so tony joe was 16 when they started showing up in the newspapers. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things about Bonnie and Clyde was that the newspaper accounts created these characters out of them that were like this massively romantic creatures, you know? Oh yeah. Like they made them Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were Romeo and Juliet. And so, um, 
I think this maybe. I mean, it'd be surprising to think that it wouldn't have impacted her oh, yeah. on how the situation was going. Yeah. <clears throat> what did that yeah. happen? Was that like in Texas or Oklahoma or what, where did Bonnie and Clyde happen? The they shootout. Multiple All over that. Yeah. Okay. But I I feel like it was like it was it was definitely in part, partly in Texas mm-hmm. because they had because the highwaymen again that was like that was primarily from Texas so I know the Texas Bull Patrol yeah right. it was probably Texas Arkansas we'd have to look that up so she hooks up with this guy from Arkansas who says he can get cowboy sprung out of jail and, and they steal sixteen guns from a store and then they decide okay well we can rob this bank in Arkansas and we can get the money. So then we'll have the guns and then we'll have the money and we can go spring cowboy out of jail. Cause you've got the know how to do it. So they decide they're going to go to Stuttgart, Arkansas and rob a bank. And they re- like, they don't have a car. I don't know how this comes about. I didn't like, <laughs> but somehow they've done all this and they don't have a car that they can take to Arkansas. So they're standing on the side of the road, pretending to be newlyweds stuck in the rain in Louisiana trying to get somebody to pick them up as hitchhikers so that they can steal his car. How do you tote that many guns? That's what I was thinking. I was like, do they have like four suitcases full of like <laughs> guns? Cause yes. But anyway, one way or another, and it's possible the timeline is wrong. Cause I, as I read most of this that I got was from, directly from newspaper accounts Mm -hmm. and you know like we're saying the newspapers turned bonnie and clyde into something that they really weren't Mm -hmm. and i don't know how i mean newspapers were a form of entertainment too as much as they were a form of information so i'm really not sure how much of this is accurate right but one way or another they're on the side of the road in louisiana they're trying to hitchhike pretending to be newlyweds it's valentine's day and this car comes by this guy named uh jp calloway is delivering this ford coupe to a friend of his he's a salesman his 42nd birthday is coming up he's supposed to go into louisiana do a quick job deliver this car come back and go to his 42nd birthday with his wife and kid and um so he's trying to deliver this car and he sees these two on the side of the road so he decides to pick them up even though it's not normally what he would do he picks them up and um they pass through lake charles louisiana um they get out into kind of the countryside and tony joe pulls out a 32 caliber revolver and tells him to turn off onto a side road tells him to stop and then they all get out of the car and when he gets out of the car she tells him undress get completely naked strip and she wants his clothes for cowboy to wear when they break him out of jail because he's about 200 pounds and cowboy's about like 220 so she's like okay take off your clothes and take your clothes so according to the testimony of archie burks who is her her side man in this he stays in the car and tony marches her victim out into a field goes behind a haystack he hears a uh, like he hears a pistol shot, and then she comes back to the car carrying his clothes and his watch and fifteen dollars, which is all he had on him. And then they they drive away. Damn. Um, that later on, it's again like I said, 
reports, it's kind of hard to tell what actually happened, but she took him out into the field. She had had him undress. Like when people get like liberal with dramatic details on Mm -hmm. stuff like this, like there was one story that said that she dragged him with a wrench by his penis out into the field. Really? I'm not even shitting. Like this was on and told him to climb through and he climbed through a barbed wire fence to get where they were going. Like she was not pulling punches with this dude. And so she, she basically, and this was from her own confession though, later on in the case, she told him to kneel behind this haystack and say his prayers. And before he even started his prayers, she shot him point blank in the head. Damn. Right. So, um, they, they burned the clothes. She said, um, and Arky is like, okay, we got into this, but you never said we we're going to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. And starts to freak out. Mm-hmm. And like, but one he of starts quotes, saying, yes, ma'am, after that. <laughs> exactly. I think he Can I carry yes, that for you? <laughs> yeah, right. But she said he turned yellow like a rat. And this is in, in one of the statements that she made. I hit him over the head with the butt of my gun and left him in the car and ditched him. Damn. But Cut I don't up know. or shut up, right? I know, right? But it's that's one of the ones that, like, there there were so many different accounts of this given to police over the course of like a couple of years that it's hard to know what exactly happened. Some stories say she and Arky went out and got trash that night and told everybody that they had killed this guy, and so the bar people turned them in, like the people they'd been hanging out with. Some people say that the two of them drove to Arkansas, and he got nervous when they were like hunkered down in a hotel room and he just ditched her and took the car and turned her in. Some people say like she took a bus back to Shreveport to ask one of her old employers to hire her back. And the employer was like, you've got a gun in your purse. What's that all about? And took her to like her aunt's house and she confessed there. Some people say that she was arrested for a burglary charge a couple days later, and she confessed when she got arrested for that. One way or another, they got her for this murder. Mm-hmm. And they got Arky, too. Mm-hmm. And um, the two of them, when they first got picked up, were playing against each other. Both of them mm-hmm. were saying the other one was the one that shot the guy. Right. And they went through this. They got um, Both of them were indicted for first-degree murder. And both of them were sentenced to death in Louisiana. And she was like a newspaper um, sales point, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like they called her the desperate bride. They called her the tiger girl or the lady tiger. The trials. (laughs) The connection. There we go. There's the through line. (laughs) Tigers and pit pipe game. Yes. Um. So the trials made news for years because she was, it's funny when you look at the newspaper accounts, like she was young and she was beautiful and they never stopped talking about her as being beautiful. And, um, she and Arky, the thing is they kept both appealing their, their indictments and they both kept getting stays of execution because they were both being sentenced to death when they were indicted for a, of the murder, mm-hmm. but they both kept getting stays so that they could testify against one another in each other's appeals. Mm-hmm. So after three trials, both of them were found guilty for the last time. They were both sentenced to death for the last time. Um, people try and paint her as like a victim of circumstances because she had like a hard life. And, you know, it it's not 
it makes sense. I mean, she was 14 and she started working at a brothel, Mm -hmm. but like she, she never really fell back on that. There were all these quotes in these newspaper articles because she was saying, I did it for cowboy. I'd do it again. I'd hang four times to get him out. She said, I've got me in a mess, but it was my choice. And I don't think I'm going to start belly aching. I'd rather be me today than a lot of decent men and women. What I did isn't half as bad as what they do every day, but I've got guts and I ain't afraid of what's coming. Damn girl. Like, she was like, uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. She's like, I did this. Okay. And um, <laughs> I so want to see this in a drunk history. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it's almost there. <laughs> I'm drunk enough. I can tell it right now. It's Let's almost it. there, but I could like, I just, just picture it. We yeah. Put this in a letter. <laughs> Patrice can animate while I can storytell. I can be one of the voices. There's a reason why I have. There's a reason why this story because it's actually like a uh, the, 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 what do you call it? Uh, a groundbreaking thing that happens. So, the, like I said, the two of them are indicted, and at the time that they're indicted, Louis, Louisiana, Louisiana, <laughs> don't spit that. Out. <laughs> Louisiana, Louisiana, still uses the gallows to execute people. Wait, sorry, gallows? The gallows. Gallows? The gallows. Yeah. Gallows humor. So (laughs) at the time that they're indicted, Louisiana still hangs people for death sentences. But their appeals process went on so long that by the time they exhausted all their appeals, Louisiana had voted to start using the electric chair. Mm-hmm. So there's a website called the sword and the scale. And it said, it talked about the, the electric chair was called the gruesome Gertie. That was what the portable, the portable electric chair in Louisiana capital punishment was called was gruesome Gertie. So the chair what had its own generator straps, cables, it like, most most states that decided to use the electric chair had them at like one central prison where they could have them like hardwired into the system and they just brought everybody there. But in Louisiana, this this website called it their retribution roadshow. Oh, my God. <laughs> that they would bring the chair to the prison where the person was doing their sentence so that prisoners could be executed where they were sentenced. That would be the worst way to die because a fucking generator is so fucking loud. <laughs> it would just be like, I mean, it would just be so loud. Like those chainsaws. Like those chainsaws. And like, here's this, the 40s. I mean, I feel like somebody's hand cranking that thing. That generator. <laughs> well, and you know what? I just found out this afternoon that there was one of the reasons why the portable, the portable electric chair went out of fashion in Louisiana is because there was a really massively botched execution. I because bet. Because of how it went. And that was after this happened. Well, it's like, uh, <clears throat> electric chairs in general can botch an electric mm-hmm. like uh, execution, like even the ones that are hardwired in. So, because mm-hmm. didn't they fuck I up? Take like lethal injection, like <laughs> Ted lethal Bundy can fuck up too. I know. I'm just. Saying. But anyway, I'm against. I'm that, against still. capital punishment. <laughs> Me too. But I'm just saying. Even for this chick who's like, ah, I just did these things. But um, so oh, they, I know. 
for her man. And that's mm-hmm. the thing, you know, Bonnie and Clyde was all romanticized and <laughs> everything. They were Ryan. like, they were the, mm-hmm. they were the beautiful young couple and they went around killing. Well, they romanticized this couple mm-hmm. a lot. I so, bet. you know, all of it. And it, when she initially did the crime and got arrested, it was kind of overshadowed by the crime. But as the appeals went on, the focus kind of moved more towards, I did this for him. I did this to break cowboy out of jail. I did this because I love him. Mm-hmm. And so she became more of a, like a romantic character in the news. So they set her execution date for, um, November 28th, 1942 and Ford and okay. A week before her execution, she wrote a statement and gave a confession that said that she was 100% the murderer and she was the one who had shot JC Calloway and, and that Arky hadn't done it and he shouldn't be given the, the death penalty for it. And it did not matter a goddamn. They still <laughs> mm. executed Archie Burks. Oh um, shit! But um, she had she had a sworn statement that she was the one who did it, and she did that a week before she like converted to Catholicism in jail. And um, so then that's a week before her execution date. Four days before her execution date, Cowboy escaped from prison. <gasps> He stole a truck with another inmate, drove it through the prison gates, <gasps> and started driving towards Lake Charles. What? And he started making statements to anybody who would listen to him, saying that if his wife is executed, he will murder the sentencing judge. Whoa. So they put 24-hour surveillance on the sentencing judge. His goal, apparently, was to take the judge hostage until they would let her go. And he he's kind of going through that, like he's been in jail this whole time and she's, you know, gone to jail in order to get him out. And he's saying, well, I got to bust you out because you did this to get me out. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately he is captured in Beaumont, Texas. He's 66 miles from Lake Charles and this motel manager where he and his little buddy decided to stay overnight recognized him from his mugshot and the police came and when he was arrested reporters asked him if he wanted to send word to his wife and he just said she knows oh so like right i mean it's really hard to be like oh it's so romantic it's like some natural born killer shit Mm -hmm. i mean i still have not watched (gasps) What? I'm a person who hasn't watched any of the things. I haven't, I haven't watched, watched Tiger Natural King, Killers, Game of Thrones, or Natural How Born Killers. How did you grow up in the 90s? I'm ashamed of you. I'm sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, though. Right. But, so, but it's weird because, you, like, baby. they described... <laughs> they described him as, like, the curly-haired... They, I mean, it's like they're really playing this romance card when they all the mm-hmm. newspaper accounts of this right in the 40s. Mm. So now that it's a little bit more removed from heinous murder, every report starts with the pretty brunette. When they say they say slow eyed, and I was like, "What is she stupid?" But it's like S L O E, like slow gin, mm-hmm. like blackberry eyed. Mm-hmm. Um, they call her the brothel spitfire, and they call him the curly headed guy. They call him hopeless, and they call him tender. That's the whole way they discuss this up until her her execution. Um, so he does not make it to her and they put him back in jail. And so, you know, at at this point, we're like three days away from the execution. 
and people are doing more newspaper articles on her because everybody's been like, oh, all this excitement about her boyfriend trying to break her out. And they do these articles where people come in and interview her and they've got these pictures of her and herself. And you find out they let her have a dog. Like, I don't know why she has special treatment on death row, but they, they let her keep a pet on death row. I don't know. It's like this little black and white spaniel she kept. Oh, gee, emotional support animals. Yes. (laughs) And like, she's, you know, they take pictures of her and she's looking absolutely gorgeous. She's sitting in this comfy chair. She's got a fan. She's got, I mean, it's like they've set her up right Mm -hmm. in this, in this jail cell. Um, the malefactors register said one of the things that bothered Tony Joe the most before she met her fate was that she would never know how the radio serial Abby's Irish Rose would turn out. Like she's just like, she's been sitting around listening to the radio. Um, she said one of the things that upset her the most too, was that she had to cut her hair because she really did. I like all these newspaper reporters talking about how gorgeous her hair was. And to go to the electric chair, you've got to have your head shaved. Mm Mm-hmm. So she was more upset about having her hair cut off than about going to the electric chair. Mm. And they let her wear like a red scarf over her head when she walked down to, you know, to the electric chair. She, um, but she, they let her call cowboy before she went to her execution. And she told him to walk out the front door like a man. She said, so your mother will be proud of you. Go straight. Try to make something of your life. Was what she said. And they said on the other end, they had reporters saying that all he did was just cry. Oh. So, um, they, there is, there are entire articles talking about how she died in the electric chair, which I'm not going to share with you because I think that's a little crass. But, um, she was the first and only woman ever to be executed in Louisiana by electric chair. Mm. The oh, only really? woman in Louisiana. It did, did it not go well? It It went, it, I mean, it did its job, Yeah, but I, I can't, so I didn't have time to research like the whole history of executions in Louisiana. They went from gallows to 1940. They voted to do the portable electric chair. And then it looked like there was that botched electrocution that I told you about. Mm -hmm. And then they stopped until like the early eighties and then they went back to electric chair for a while and then they stopped entirely. Did they have no capital punishment then i don't know or, uh, i think they may have actually stopped i don't know i honestly they may have stopped in that time between and they may have gone to lethal then, injection after uh, but like there was a, a space between like the late 40s or mid 40s and the mid 80s where they did not use electric chair and i think it's because of that weird botched electrocution but uh, i wonder what they have now do they have any I'm I don't sure know. they do. Probably, probably everybody hard. uses lethal injection now. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, well, do they? I don't know. I assume so. Mm. Like I said, I don't watch. I feel like they're still the- electric chairs. Patrice, what do you, do you know? I don't know. I wonder. Do people still, okay, well, somebody do that research for us. And let us- <laughs> Wait, I'm but, doing. I'm googling it right now. So she was. She was the only first and only woman to be executed by electric chair in Louisiana. Um, probably sort of repentant, but sort of also laughed her way to the electric chair. Like she was not going to let anybody get anything over on her. She like marched her way down there. She was not going to cry. She was not going to 
you know, say, yeah, y'all got me or I feel horrible. She jammed it and smiled on her way out. So uh, it's like, it's weird. It's like, you kind of, you got to give her something. Yeah. Uh, Also, she's kind of a horrible person for doing what she did. Oh yeah. Yeah. But there are, um, the courthouse where she was, I, now here's what's interesting. The courthouse where she was maybe sentenced claims to have some sort of claim to her ghost says that like there's office equipment that randomly turns on and off um lights flicker there are these like file um file machines it's like a rotating file machine that turns itself on and off Hmm. there's a weird smell of like burning hair in some of the hallways and things that they they claim to be Tony Joe Henry, but I don't know. I think that's a whole bunch of bullshit. Um, but I think it's old office equipment that nobody pays for because we don't like pay for things here. But <laughs> but anyway, they think that there's a ghost of Tony Joe Henry. I honestly think like from learning about Tony Joe Henry this week, I would say she could not give less of a shit about haunting you. Mm-hmm. I really think that if you're looking for somebody who's causing your file machines to go up and down, she's not that chick. It's probably the dude who got killed or executed. The botched execution. That guy yeah. maybe guy. Yeah. But I don't think I- it's Tony. I have two facts from you from uh, Wikipedia, our our good friend. (laughs) Okay, well, Alabama has the highest per capita capital sentencing rate in the country. Knew that. In Why do we years, always win at it, the bad thing? Yeah, we win at the worst. Okay, we're probably going to win at the coronavirus, too, unfortunately. Um, it's courts impose more death sentences than Texas, a state that has a population five times as large. Jesus Christ. So then, wait, there's one more thing I want to tell you. So uh, since 2018, we've had the the option of using a new death penalty, which is um, a death by oxygen deprivation. What? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Governor Ivy. Uh, oh, my God. In 2018, signed into law a bill to authorize executions by nitrogen hypoxia, and it's an inert gas that makes up about 78% of the air people breathe, and that would um, make people just breathe in nitrogen so that you wouldn't get any oxygen. But just so you know, we still use lethal injection. However, if you would prefer as a death mate inmate... Uh, I mean, the death penalty inmate that you can pick the electric chair still in Alabama as of 2018. And I'm reading this from AL.com. Sorry to be so depressing, but it's the truth. I thought we still had the electric chair here. I just wanted to verify that that was true. Tradition. And then, of course, they show a picture of the Tutwiler prison, Mm. which is the female prison in Alabama. I don't want to be so sad and bummer. Oh my god! I so let's. I guess options are good. <laughs> options. You can choose to die by injection, suffocation, or electrocution. And all uh, uh, is that no. going to be? Oh, that's going to be our new commercial. <laughs> <laughs> or we have options. Or coronavirus. No, I don't want to say that. It's so morbid. It's, uh, I was thinking. Or, yeah. 
I think we should make that video. If anybody would like to help us make that video. <laughs> no. We'll put it on. Welcome we can to hack Alabama. it onto KIV's campaign website. We're going to have some good news. Some good news. The one thing that made me happy today was I saw John Krasinski started. Um, yeah. Some good news. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, I don't know if it was the Bloody Marys or if it's just because I have loved John Krasinski for 15 years now. Yes. That tall drink of water. Yes. <laughs> He got sexier and sexier as he time got went on. Sexier as time went on. I was <laughs> in love with that news broadcast because he brought Steve Carell on. Yes. So, oh, yeah. And his oh children made gosh. the sign for that. And he's married to the beautiful Emily Blunt. Oh, yeah. And I was so happy to watch that. I it's the first time I've cried. Uh, I totally cried. Too. I cried. Me too. I cried happy sad he, tears. Yeah. You didn't he like you could tell he got weepy a little bit too he when did. he was talking to Steve for mm-hmm. sure. That was really good. So there's some good news. <laughs> We're going to make our own good news. Good news in Jacksonville, Alabama is I have learned how to grow wax beans and they grow out of control. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm growing cool. some vegetables that have in seven days uh, popped the lid off of my uh, greenhouse and wow. I'm ready Yes. I mean, they're out of control wow. in a good way, right? Yeah. Well, I'm confident that my kids could feed themselves if I died. <laughs> well, another good news. There you go. That's good news. To so say my good news is I have not, I transplanted my herbs and they have not died yet. <laughs> you did it. That's amazing. But Without I, how, huh? Yes, but it's a large part because I put my 11-year-old in charge. Oh, and he awesome. has he has my mother's green thumb. <gasps> so good, I know. That's so I'm just like, power. yep, that's a superpower. So I'm like, look, you're in charge of watering these and taking care of these every day. And I showed them how, and now I don't even think about it. And I'm just like, Max, go water the plants, and he's just out the door <gasps> and does it. Oh, I love Max so much. I love <laughs> it awesome. too. Good job, Max. Yeah, and you know what? There's a whole um, I talked to Marley about this earlier today. There's a whole uh, movement of children who are going to be very um, internet technologically savvy, and because of this, they're also going to be very um, they're going to work with the earth and they're going to learn how to sew and they're going to, you know, they're going to grow vegetables because we have time now to do those things that we we've right. put off for a long time yeah absolutely i think it's gonna be a better world i do they're I, gonna be the perfect so. generation that knows both sides mm-hmm. yeah i know i see some of my friends pandemic. Ugh, some of my friends um back in mississippi they're like starting to build chicken coops like mm, backyard yeah. kipping shoot i was like hmm it's like i know mm. we can't like have chickens <laughs> in town but what but we also can't technically sell curbside margaritas in town. <laughs> oh. but that has already yes. happened friends so if I'm anything thinking... good comes of this it's gonna be alcohol sales broadening in alabama yes and why they haven't like passed where we can get wine delivered to us and 
Like that should have gone up. Jen Jones, who listens to the show, said, "I will vote for anyone who decides that it isn't is allowable <laughs> to uh, mail wine to Alabama." Absolutely. So, any of those politicians out there, go ahead and make that your platform because you have a whole um, constituency <laughs> who's ready to say yes to you. Exactly. Yes to mail. that and to home chickens and you know, Patrice. I've thought about chickens before, but I've always thought pet. that like my dog or my foxes would eat. Like if I put them inside my fence, my dog will eat them. Outside my fence, the fox is late. Well, you have to get them a pen. I mean, that's you have to have a fence inside your fence. Yeah, you have to have a chicken like pen coop coop. Um, Are you gonna chicken make wire. chickens? Oh, you should make chickens. Chickens? Who? What? Who's making Patrice. chickens? You make chickens. <laughs> I don't understand that sentence. I think she's drunk. I think we have already gotten into after talk. <laughs> and welcome to the after talk. This is episode fifty nine. Also, is completely bro- I'm like part stop. of my own background. And yeah, I've stop blurring the blur. you because. Now you Did make... we say bye to everybody? No, we haven't. Bye. Thank y'all so much for listening to us. We appreciate y'all so much. You just do not even know. And um, we will keep doing this as long as we can and moving forward and hopefully better news as the days progress and we're just in it together, right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Stay strong. Be Absolutely. kind to each other. Oh, yes. Make chickens. <laughs> Make chickens. Make chickens. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> Make chickens. You have lots of presents, Tony Joe. Look at my doll. Isn't she pretty? Oh, very pretty, Tony Joe. Why, Tony? I break it. But why? Not as pretty as me. I'm prettier. You you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You didn't give me the presents I want.